You're listening to an Eon podcast. You're listening to episode six of the Seven Steps to Freedom from Anxiety, Depression, and ADHD podcast series. Over the course of recording this series, the incredibly knowledgeable Jodie Gossard, formerly Jodie Chapman, who is a well-known naturopath, speaker, author and mentor, has opened up her mind and subsequently filled us with her knowledge. In this episode, episode 6, Jodie and I talked about the cycle of stress, how there are specific nutrients that can make our brain chemicals and how if those nutrients are deficient, our ability to cope with stress becomes inefficient. Jodie, welcome. In today's episode, we'll be discussing stress management and the cycle of stress and hormones, which is step five of the seven steps to controlling anxiety, depression and ADHD. So in this fifth step, you refer to a stress cycle. What is the cycle exactly and what are the stages of that cycle? So we've got a a few different hormones that are associated with your stress response. The first thing we need to consider, sometimes stress can come about A, because a life event happened or something has happened in your day that has utilised the nutrients that make the brain chemicals to cope with that stress. For instance, remember the saying when you're going to give someone bad news, are you sitting down? And sometimes that can be because their dopamine levels might drop under this stress response, prevent someone from fainting etc. If you use up these nutrients quite rapidly, your brain neurotransmitters will drop in response and you may suffer with fatigue or a depressive reaction or a stress response, etc. But that brain neurotransmitter response will then immediately impact your hormonal response. So cortisol is your main stress hormone and it can rise and it can stay very high all day long if you're under stress and it will cause a sense of anxiety. So this chronic state of heart palpitations or, you know, fight and flight, got to keep moving, got to fix something, chaos response. So it's like your chaos control. You know, when you're first experiencing something traumatic or stressful and your first impulse is to try to fix it. So you go through this mad cycle of what can I do? What do I need to do? Who do I need to contact? How do I need to fix this? You know, I remember um, many years ago uh, my mother passed away And she had already passed away, yet I was still going through this stress response of how do I fix it? Who do I talk to? What went wrong? Who do I, you know, who do I talk to to find out what went wrong? As if there was something I could do about it, yet there wasn't. So, you know, a few months later, you move into the depression response after, you know, that's an example of trauma where some people have this on a daily basis almost where they have a stress response, they might have low GABA. And if their brain neurotransmitter is low GABA or if their serotonin is low, they can feel anxiety every time something stressful happens to them. They don't cope well with stress, which will immediately then have an impact on cortisol, which will then rise. The cortisol will then, if it's too high for too long and if it's not decreasing by bedtime, mean that you won't sleep very well because your cortisol and melatonin cycle needs to be balanced well for you to sleep deeply. So cortisol must be coming down before bedtime for you to be able to produce melatonin. And when you sleep, melatonin will start to rise. Then in the morning, your cortisol will start to rise around four or five o'clock in the morning. 
well, earlier than that, but that's when the cortisol level, when it gets to the right amount, will actually wake us. And then by morning, it's meant to be around midway its normal cycle. By early lunchtime, perhaps, it should be at its highest. When you're out and about, you're actually doing things. And then it decreases as the day goes on. And we see this curve. If cortisol stays too high for too long, it then, over a long period of time, can suppress a hormone called DHEA. Now, this is very, very important to mental health, and it's not widely discussed. So DHEA, when it's at a normal level, gives us memory and focus and positive thoughts and energy. It makes everything work for us at a reasonable speed. So DHEA provides energy to every single organ of the body. If DHEA declines, it's what naturally declines as we age. So if someone goes through adrenal fatigue, which is our second stage, our first stage, high cortisol and normal DHEA is adrenal stress. Our second stage where the cortisol starts to come down, but the DHEA has been suppressed because of being in the high cortisol state for too long, that's adrenal fatigue. And that stage, we start to become depressed. So this is where we go from our anxious fight and flight stage into our, okay, I give up, I know I can't fix this, accepting what's happened and moving into a flat sense of, you know, sadness and negative thoughts and and lack of purpose and loss of hope. These types of things are what drive us to sustain our lives. So if we lose these emotions and we start to feel this loss every day, if you don't realise it's a temporary state, then you can fall into a very dark depression. And this is hormonal. It's not brain chemical. So this is really important is because In the medical world, we target our brain chemicals. Yet if your hormones are too low, you can suffer worse symptoms than low serotonin. And those hormones are required to make your brain chemicals. So then your brain chemicals start to drop as well. So I've been through adrenal fatigue twice and I put that down to my gene mutations, which mean I don't absorb the nutrients to be able to provide my brain chemical levels at the level that they need to. So I was more sensitive. So when I went through my mother passing away, when I've been through problems with my immune system, my ability to make my DHEA decline for a period. If I had not have realised that, I would not have been able to pull myself out of it. And so was it just that realisation that pulled you out of it or did you do something, take a supplement? Yes, then I had to do something about it. So the first time it took me about 18 months to find out what was wrong. Actually, I'd taken up triathlon on the back of going through a a traumatic event in my life. So about two years into a major shift in my life and I was exhausted. You know, I'd been coping with stress and readjusting my life to cope with stress And I decided to take up triathlon thinking I was fine. However, I didn't realise that I still wasn't recovered from the stress. My nutrients had still been low for that period while I might have been on some nutrients. My adrenal glands had not fully recovered. So my adrenal glands and other organs help make your DHEA and your cortisol. However, I wasn't making as much DHEA as I needed and I didn't know that. So when I took up triathlon, I was then... 
sleeping less. I was starting much earlier than I'd normally start, getting up at half past four in the morning, trying to train six mornings a week. So cutting my sleep short firstly, and then burning much more energy than I was previously burning in just running, which is what I previously did. And very, very rapidly within about three months, I completed my first small triathlon. And while everybody else recovered by about two weeks after it, I then started to decline rapidly. So I then went into a type of depression, memory loss. There was nothing actually that had changed in my life that was negative. So it began the process of me doing biochemistry testing. So nutrient testing, hormone testing, gut testing, food testing, all of the things that I do to find out what's wrong. And I found at that point that my hormones were declining rapidly. And that was due to um, my adrenal glands being too tired. So I'd put myself under physical stress during a time that my adrenal glands were still not recovered from the original adrenal stress. So now I was- Burning the candle. That's exactly Mm -hmm. right. So we all hear this term, burning the candle. I remember being 20 years old and working two jobs and my bosses in both jobs saying to me, watch out, you're going to burn the candle at both ends. And that's exactly what I did because I'm a type A personality. You know, I like to keep doing things. So, you know, it didn't affect me until I was a bit older, but sure enough, it did. You can't escape it. In that case, I wasn't low in nutrients. This is the interesting part. It's not all about nutrients. I wasn't low in nutrients. I actually couldn't absorb them. So I was getting them. I was taking the ones that I knew I had to take. But when my DHEA declined, my gut couldn't contract properly to absorb my nutrients because DHEA gives you physical strength throughout your entire body. So, for instance, when I first noticed it happening, I went from running... I wasn't a great runner. I was running six-minute Ks, for instance. And when I started to decline in DHEA, I started to get six-and-a-half-minute Ks and seven-minute Ks. And a 10K run might, for me, take me 45, 50 minutes to do. And by a few months into adrenal fatigue, it was taking me over an hour to do the same run. My heart rate, which might have sat at around 150 beats a minute during that run, now sits at 185 during that run and I feel like I can't breathe. So every single part of your body, all of your muscle function, all of your digestive function, your heart rate can't work at its normal pace when your DHEA level is low. So it's like the mother that makes your entire body function. And when you go through adrenal stress and you pump your cortisol very high for too long, which feels like chronic anxiety under stress, you then deplete your DHEA. And that missing DHEA will drive you to early stages of aging, such as memory loss like dementia, such as disorientation. I went through a stage where I could not remember the fastest route or the way that I would drive to get from my house to the local shopping centre. I know it was bizarre. I, I would, someone would send me a text message to say, you need to be here tomorrow at a certain time for a meeting. And I'd, as I was reading it, I'd say, great, before I could write it down, it was gone from my memory and I'd not have any recognition of even getting that message. So this is the early stages of realising that I was going into a very strong depression that was hormonally related. So it was years after the traumatic event, but my body was already exhausted. So the hormones weren't being made anymore and it was triggered by pushing myself into that space by taking up a physical activity that was more than what my body could handle at the time and I didn't know that. So recognising 
The second step is adrenal fatigue. The last step is very, very dangerous. And that's when your cortisol levels are very low and your DHEA is very low. And this is physical and emotional depression. So you can't function. You can't get out of bed. You can't make decisions. You can't put a sentence together. You can't answer a a problem, problem solve. You can't communicate with anybody. You can't stop crying. All you think about are thoughts of doom and no hope and loss of purpose and loss of reason for being. And you might have everyone around you in your life that you had before that you value and you love, but you won't feel any joy from that. And this is the lowest and saddest form of depression that there is. And this is the type that where someone might be taking antidepressants, but it might not be achieving the results that they need to achieve. And it's a recognition that you need to look at more than your brain chemicals at this stage, your nutrients for your brain chemicals or medication. You need to be looking at your hormones, adrenal insufficiency. So it's equivalent to Addison's disease, which is an autoimmune condition. That means that you don't make these hormones properly. However, it's not all autoimmune, it's complete exhaustion. And this is something that we can recover from, but it is a very slow recovery. During that time, if you try to just take your vitamins and change your diet, keep in mind that you're actually not absorbing anything. So it takes months and months and months and months of restoring your adrenal health. And the only product that I know worldwide that can make your adrenal glands work better is herbs. So, you know, you can take hormone replacement from the doctor, which in some cases is absolutely necessary to restore those hormones so that you can then absorb your vitamins again. But unless you're actually treating those glands to make them strong again and removing yourself from the stress and sleeping properly and, you know, uh, what's ironic is that adrenal insufficiency and adrenal fatigue cause sleep disturbance. So the worse you get, the worse you sleep, the worse it gets. Mm -hmm. So you need to be finding a way to get around this and and it can make people completely debilitated in that they're not sleeping so they can't work their job any longer. You know, they're so depressed with no function, no mental capacity to do anything or, or have a discussion with anybody and physically they can't move. So these are the cases of depression that is an all over body experience. It's not just the brain. And this is far beyond what you can treat with one person's support or one medication. This is a whole body problem by this stage. But it is recoverable. As I said, I went through it twice. The first time was 18 months it lasted. And it only lasted that long because I didn't know what was wrong. The second time was much more severe in terms of how it affected me and much more sudden in it coming on. And it was just complete exhaustion after taking on too much and um, having some things go wrong in that period of time that I then had to correct and it had other people's involvement, you know, and when you don't have control of your own life because other people impact, their decisions impact you, we get completely exhausted. And if that's the case and you've been through a very difficult time, a lot of people have legal issues or they go through divorce or they lose a loved one or, you know, they might have a car accident which has a major impact on your adrenal glands and they might take two or three years to recover from that. If your adrenal glands do this, if you're not aware, it can take a very long time to recover. So the second time, 
for me was much more acute. However, I was able to recover in six months' time because I knew what to do. So in that case, I couldn't have recovered faster. I remember doing everything I was supposed to do and having to coach myself through it because no one else really could help me. And I needed to take my vitamins. I needed to take my herbs. I needed to take support from the medical as well so that I could make everything absorb. And I needed to do it all together. So, you know, it's just a matter of understanding where you are, but you want to look at those three cycles of stress, adrenal stress first, high cortisol, normal DHEA, adrenal fatigue second, when your cortisol starts to come down and so does your DHEA. So DHEA is now too low and your cortisol is normal. And then the third stage, adrenal insufficiency, where they're both low and that's where you hit the bottom of the barrel. So being very careful of never getting there. Um, You mentioned before that DHEA is not commonly spoken about. It's obviously really important. Mm. So why isn't it touched on that much? I think it's got a history of being involved with anti-ageing. So it's been looked upon poorly by the medical industry because of that. However, if you need it, you need it and it shouldn't be excluded. So you really need to know what's going on in your body and have a good practitioner and a good team of practitioners, medical and broad types of professionals, depending on who you see, that understand hormones and know that that can't be excluded the same way as cortisol can't be excluded, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, all of your thyroid hormones, all of them are checked. So it is just as important as the rest and can't be excluded. So, you know, it's very, very important for you to be seeing someone who understands all hormones and not just your standard, say, HRT or the pill which replaces progesterone and estrogen or testosterone replacement for testosterone. All of these other hormones are substrates or derivatives of DHEA. So if your DHEA is low, those are going to be low. If you just support those and not your DHEA, you might get a little bit of support, but you're not actually correcting the main problem or where the source is coming from. It's a Band-Aid. It's a Band-Aid, exactly. So your conditions will actually continue unless you target the right hormone. Cortisol, for instance, if that's very, very low as well, that needs to be supported as well. So it's just a matter of understanding your hormones and knowing who to ask, how do I find out about it, what do I need to do about it, how do I do it so I'm not taking hormone replacement, which is okay sometimes in short periods but should never be lifelong. And then you've got to be making sure that any hormone replacement that you take or that you do is not adding to a problem where your hormones need to be excreted as well and are not being caught up in your body, which is then a problem with depression and anxiety and behavioural problems such as anger from another perspective. So if we look at our hormones overall, we want to be making as many hormones as we can. And how we do this is we include our fats, we include our proteins, we make sure our gut wall is healthy, we make sure our bacteria is right, and we will be converting the building blocks into those hormone nutrients in abundance. We get our factory working, right? Once we have that right, we then have to reduce our stresses so we're not producing way too much cortisol, make sure if we suffer with traumatic events, which we can't control, we are supporting our adrenal glands. And then we need to be ensuring because our hormones will then flow through the way that they're meant to. But if you can consider our hormones flow through our body like a funnel, 
And if anything blocks the funnel at the bottom end, our liver is responsible for detoxifying the hormones out of our body at the end of that funnel. And if we have a blocked liver for any reason, say we might consume too much alcohol, we might eat too many carbohydrates in our diet, which slows down detoxification. We might be exposed to, say, a farming industry where we're exposed to a lot of heavy sprays. Uh, We might live within a certain distance of an industrial area that will pollute the air. We might have gene mutations that don't allow us to detoxify normally, such as the MTHFR gene mutation, which pretty much its main goal is to detoxify us. And well, it's not the main one, but it is a, a big key factor. If we have any of those problems, we will find that our estrogen, which is our last hormone that all of our hormones are converted to, our estrogen will be blocked in our body and it will start to rise. And once we start to get this estrogen high, for women, the estrogen will then become dominant over the progesterone and we'll start to get PMS. In very bad situations, they'll get PMDD, which is premenstrual dysmorphic disorder, which can cause quite serious paranoia, anger, aggression, really serious effects, which requires antidepressant-type medication to get through that. Like an almost psychosis. Yes, like a psychosis around their period. Every person I've ever seen with that condition I've tested who have the MTHFR gene mutation, they can't methylate their estrogen. But men, men suffering with depression from as young as at 25 years old, I have found are storing too much estrogen. And if their estrogen is too high, they can have great levels of DHEA and testosterone. But if their estrogen is dominant over that, they'll start to get prostate enlargement. But the first thing will happen is apathy, fatigue, depression, anxiety, sleep disturbance. So that sleep disturbance and all of those other symptoms will lead into adrenal fatigue. Their adrenal hormones, cortisol and DHEA, declining because of lack of sleep. And the other symptoms that they get is the prostate symptoms, where 10 years later, they're starting to see frequent urination, not being able to urinate properly, urgency of urination, getting up through the night, and that getting up through the night to constantly relieve the urge to urinate will block their sleep or, you know, break up their sleep, causing more adrenal fatigue. So estrogen has a lot to, I guess, you know, um, be blamed for uh, when it comes to hormonal imbalance and it all comes down to the liver and the gut. Our liver will process our last um, form of estrogen out of our body and then dump it into the bowel and then the bowel's job is to excrete it. So if our gut is not healthy and our liver is not flowing freely with all of the nutrients and proteins that it needs to complete our detoxification cycle, then we'll have problems with these hormones. So you could almost suggest any hormonal condition, endometriosis, high estrogen, PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome in women is high testosterone and high estrogen. Fibroids, so estrogen dominance will cause fibroids in the uterus. Weight gain, fluid retention, PMS, anxiety, miscarriages that are early miscarriages. All of these things are all associated with the imbalance between estrogen and progesterone or for men, the imbalance between estrogen and testosterone. And every single one of them can have an impact on our mood. So we need to make sure that we're not just looking at the adrenal hormones, we're looking at our reproductive organs as well and the hormones involved and making sure that they're doing all of the things that they're meant to be doing. 
because it's simply not just about our reproductive organs. It's about the nutrients. It's about the diet. It's about the bacteria. It's about the liver. It's about the bowel working. It's about the fact that our body is made of tubes and pipes. And really, if it's flowing freely, everything will work properly. And if it's not, we start to see disease. Okay, so now that we know what the cycle of stress is and that link to hormones, if we think we have a hormone imbalance or a problem, how do we find out what that problem is and what are the tests that we need to go through for that? Mm, So worldwide, we can do saliva hormone testing is my favourite. It shows all of the free hormones that are available in your system. However, there is another hormone test called the Dutch test, which is available worldwide, and it's a dried urinary hormone test, which shows the metabolites of so many different hormones and their enzymes that play roles in between these hormones. So you can see which ones are high, which ones are low, and what enzymes might be missing, causing a blockage somewhere. So that's a great test. Blood hormones that we do often through mainstream pathology are generally bound to protein and are only 1% of our actual hormones and they are not necessarily a direct correlation with our free hormones, which is the other 99% that we can see in our saliva hormone test or in our urinary hormone test. So I'd always suggest you go with a urinary or a saliva hormone test. However, there are benefits in some cases such as fertility looking at the blood hormones. But in terms of looking for hormonal imbalances, I don't tend to do the blood hormone testing because it can only really show you whether you're pre or postmenopausal in women. And, you know, it doesn't really tell you the detail that you need to know if you're suffering from a depressive type problem or an estrogen dominance type problem because your E2 is what's checked in blood and your E2 isn't your only estrogen. You really need to know about the other estrogens as well, so E1 and E3, which you can learn through the other methods of pathology testing. So I'd be looking at that and I'd be asking your practitioner about that and um, really get to know the full picture because your sense of well-being, your emotional response to your reproductive hormones can feel exactly the same as adrenal fatigue and there's no way of knowing the difference unless you do a test that tests them broadly. And the other thing is that the treatment is very, very different for both. So you need to know whether you need to methylate the liver or whether you need to promote reproductive hormone production or whether you need to promote adrenals, which is all completely different treatments. That's a wrap on episode six. In the next three episodes of the Seven Steps to Freedom from Anxiety, Depression and ADHD podcast series, Jodie introduces us to a patient of hers, Mitch Plazier, and discusses how they're improving his mental health together. If you're enjoying this series, please support us by subscribing to all episodes. If while listening you've had something of a light bulb moment and have the urge to reach out to Jodie, you can contact her via her website, advancedwellness.com.au. And finally, if you're experiencing a personal crisis or are having dark thoughts, please reach out to one of the many services available, such as Lifeline. Lifeline's phone number is 131114.